Finally, everyone needs to know that they tried to ban me, Sofia Lopez, the world's greatest attorney, as Tormenta's manager and confidential. Pero no lo lograron. They couldn't succeed because they couldn't stop me as being Tormenta's number one fan and ring announcer. Así es que, desde Guadalajara, Jalisco, México, You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And it is for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Back, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green. How are you? And thank you for tuning in to another edition, another week, as we go through the recap of, wow, Women of Wrestling and their latest reboot. Uh, what is this? Reboot number four? So, how is going how the episode's coming along, how the new personalities being introduced, etc., etc. We go through all of that. And uh, what do we, I guess we're almost two months in now. They've, they've been doing this for a number of months. They've established some people. They have uh, established some angles and so on and so forth. So we're going to talk about all of that and how exactly this episode broke down this week, um, and maybe a, a couple other things uh, surrounding the entirety of, of WOW and how it's kind of been laid out thus far. Um, but as I've said, I guess in the last two or three episodes that I've done this, if you are like me, you probably feel like you could do as good of a job, you know, if not better. And I, I, and I know that some of you out there probably feel this way, just looking at the shows and, and what have you. But, you know, I got news for you. If you are wanting to take that chance and if you want to see that you could do better, now's your, now's your shot. And you could do it for a reasonable budget. How? By going on CustomVixensWrestling.com. CustomVixensWrestling.com. You can go on there. And you, too, can play the booker. You can be the booker, pick out some talent, put the girls in the ring, or in some cases, just on a mat. <laughs> you can have them have the match that you want them to have. Now, granted, I know some of y'all out there might take that a little bit too far. 
<laughs> but there's some out there that just want to have a reasonable wrestling match, and you can make that happen. You can uh, get onto their site, check out when their next film date is going to be. Then you go through the roster, pick you out talent that you can use, talent like Brooklyn Creed, talent like Autumn Marie, talent like uh, she goes by Nina Monet here, but. Siren, the voodoo doll, I think she she was dead. Now, whether she's still associated with it, I'd probably need to check into that. Malibu, the Wode, uh, Fantasy, amongst others. You got a, got a nice group of names there that you can kind of dig through and uh, uh, piece together whatever match that you feel like you might want to have. And depending on the chemistry, as we know in Booker land, you know, you can have you something that is a five-finger stinker. Or you can have something that blows the roof off the place. You never know. So take your chance. Take your time. Pick your match. Go to CustomVixensWrestling.com and you too can be the booker. Let me know if you did and see, well, let's see if you did it better than the uh, booking team, the creative team at Women of Wrestling. Because, again, you never know. Um... We are going to go right off into the show because I'm sure there's a, quite a bit of things to cover here. And why waste time? Let's just get off into it. So this will be, according to WOW, I think they label this as episode 107. That's another thing. Um, I really need to see who, where the ownership of all these episodes are. Every time they've gone to a different location, they've had to essentially restart the count for that particular network so it's always been season one even though they've been you know i guess this should be like season six over the course of uh what 20 years plus but it's always labeled as season one just because you know they were a different place the first time they went uh, syndication on a lot of independent networks back in the day and then they came back and I think they only ran locally out there on the west coast and then it was d- directly on their website and then it was Access TV and now we're here with CBS Viacom and uh, and I should just say it properly basically the CW stations because I know a lot of them for a while they were like oh yeah we're going to be on CBS and they have now figured out that no, you're not going to be on CBS. You're going to be on CBS Affiliate. So uh, CW is a CBS Affiliate. And there are some independent stations around the country that also are CBS Affiliates. And that's where they have tended to land and to wind up. So, you know, all of that to say every time they've gone somewhere, they've always gone to a different entity and every time they go to a different entity they have to pretty much start it over from scratch so they are back to the beginning episode 7 or 107 whichever one that you want to call it so <clears throat> we start off with the uh, show recaps as we usually tend to do this recap goes over the triple threat match from episode 6 which was the main event of that particular episode it was uh Tormenta, uh, Reina Del Rey, and The Beast. And the purpose of this one, I, most times I feel like the recaps are just like, okay, we just got to bring up the speed again. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, this one I felt was a little bit more 
urgent because they had something within this recap that really affects the course of the show. It showed how the beast got her leg hurt. Um, Tormenta has wrestled for some time now. It's not like she's a rookie or she doesn't know what she's doing or you know anything like that. Um, if anything, I would say... You know, I don't want to put that off on the beast, but she probably was not prepared for being in that situation. You know, this may be the first time she's had somebody just launch themselves off the top rope, you know, down to where her back is turned and kind of crash on her on her legs. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that that was specifically the thing that did it, but she is... Or she was hurt based on a cannonball coming off the top rope. I did talk about that in the, in the last episode. It looked like she got hurt there. Well, this pretty much verified it. She she did uh, get hurt. And according to them, them being wow, uh, she's due to be out for about six weeks because of it. I think she didn't break a leg, but she did hurt her ankle pretty bad. So uh, because of that, she will be on the shelf. Now, the question is, with it being six weeks, although I doubt they'll do it, will WoW do the old 30 days deal? Like, okay, well, you're not going to be able to defend it for 30 days, so we got to take this belt off of you. Or are they just going to go ahead and ignore it and like, hey, you know, we're not going off of a 30-day rule, which is their right. It's their company. They can do what they want. Um, will they just decide to like oh well you know it's, it's only six weeks and i think we can get past that um it'll be interesting to see my my guess is is that they're going to keep the belt on the beast they look like they've given a lot to her and uh i don't feel like they're they're wanting to change it uh getting back to tormenta for a second because i didn't really go over who she was uh you know and when she was introduced into WoW, because I think what this would be her third appearance on the on the program, three weeks straight, which is good for her. Um, and she probably is somebody that a lot of American fans are not aware of. And quite honestly, it's not like I have a, a plethora of experience seeing her. I saw her on a couple of occasions. Enough to know that she was not a, a wild creation. <laughs> she essentially was a creation in Mexico. And, and the whole thing that they did with her was was pretty, pretty accurate. Again, I don't agree with them having these sit-down conversations with everybody so that you feel for them, especially when they're supposed to come in and be a heel. But, you know, I, I, at the same time, I will say that the Tormenta thing was in was interesting and it was informative probably shouldn't have happened if she was going to be the the heel in the situation but we'll we'll move on from that uh chick tormenta i think if if i'm pronouncing that correctly she is the that is the name that she works under when she is not in a while and and while we just have her as tormenta and i know that she had wrestled in impact wrestling at least once so she, she's gotten around. Now, whether she'll go to, say, uh, AEW or something like that, that's a whole different issue. But she has been in the business for a bit. 
She's, you know, she's been around the block. Probably good for a while to have her. Although I don't know if she's going to do much for them in a nationwide sense. Within that area, I think that she should do fantastic. Uh, she, she can play up to the uh, the fan base that's out there. But once they leave Los Angeles, or once the broadcast goes past Los Angeles, you know that that leaves something to be desired. And whether they're going to build up to be a big, you know, star in the company or not. All right. So anyway, um, the, the, I guess the last thing that needs to be talked about in that recap is that it shows the the botched powerbomb, which I would have done everything in my power to avoid that. And I was like, I'm not showing this. It looks terrible. And that's not the beast's fault. You know, if she if her ankle gave way while she was in the middle of that, then, you know, so be it. But I don't think they needed to highlight the fact that she went for a powerbomb and that they called a powerbomb that she didn't execute. She pretty much just picked her up and dropped her. And Tormenta just stayed down, even though she was not connected with anything. So uh, that was just a bad editing job. Or whoever was, whoever was sitting there in that room and decided, yeah, just leave that in there. That, that was just, you know, not a, not a good choice in my opinion. Uh, segment two, we have the Targa Twins making another appearance in the tag team tournament. They are moving into round three against the Heavy Metal Sisters, who should not be here at all. And I don't know why they're there, but this is counted as a third round match. Uh the other thing is, is that it was advertised to me. I got an email about this match, and it was advertised to me as a handicap. It was advertised as a two versus three, which wasn't true. And this is something that Wild has done a couple of times. Now, I won't hold them to the fire over this because if they didn't advertise it on TV, then it's immaterial what I got in the press release because that wasn't designed for the, the world to know. I just brought it up because I think they should do better about it. And they haven't, you know, they've done this a number of times. But again, if they did not advertise it on TV, and I don't remember that they did did or didn't, then it's immaterial. Um, but there was no handicap match. It was a standard two-on-two. Mesmer isn't in it like I expected. But the real question here is how is this a third-round match? How is this a third-round match? Now, the Tonga Twins should be there. The Tonga Twins defeated Randy Rara and Chantilla Chella, which even she, she got a second chance, Chantilla Chella. Now, we talked about that, what, a week ago when she stepped back in the ring with a whole different partner going against Adriana Gambino and Gigi Gianni, and she lost then, so she was beaten twice. But now the Heavy Metal Sisters, who were bumped in the first round of the first episode of WOW by Miami's Sweet Heat, they got beaten by them in the tag team tournament first round. The Tonga Twins go over on Ra Ra Chella. They go to the second round against Princess Ozzy and Tiki Chamaro, who didn't have a first round match at all. They just appeared in the second round, and the Tonga Twins beat them. And now the Tonga Twins are going to the third round, and they're going against the Heavy Metal Sisters, who should not be in the tournament at all. They, they should have been knocked out of it weeks ago but here they were going right back into the same thing uh, the, the tag team tournament makes absolutely zero sense to me I wrote it up I put it on the on the YouTube channel under the uh, the 
post in the comments and things like that. And I, you know, I made clear to make it make it you know evident to everybody that look, this is not the official wild bracketing, but these are the brackets as they have presented it, the way that these matches have gone up against each other. So I'm, I can't be that far off the mark. And I haven't written down anything down that paper that is untrue. So when I say that, you got people who just randomly pop back up or people who didn't have a first-round match at all or a first- or second-round match or they just got back in somehow. All of those things are true. And whether WoW will ever decide to acknowledge it or talk about it or explain how this happens, I doubt. But that's that's what it is. And you can look at that if you go to our YouTube channel you can see that uh that right away all you gotta do is just go in there go to the comments and hit uh, the community tab and it'll uh, be up there at the top click it and you can see the entirety of what i wrote and this is handwritten so don't be uh you know getting on my sloppy handwriting or whatever <laughs> you should be able to read it anyway uh, this match also illustrated another downslide for me and it's the close-ups it's the production of the match they don't they don't have a hard camera shot that they can go to the match is almost all built around it being close-up shots over and over and over again and they don't help and i know close-up shots help relay uh impact they help relay emotion and tension and all those good things, but when you just leave it there on the close-up shot all the time, it doesn't help that at all. Never, never mind the fact that it doesn't help the, the the interactions between the two when they're not doing well. It shows the poor contact, and that's not something that you want to have on any wrestling show. You don't want to show that there's poor contact between competitors. Um. Through most of this, the twins were in control. They hit a, you know, and, and I'm going through some highlights here. They hit a high-low on Razor, but Fury comes in and breaks it up. Uh, the, uh, Razor, at one point, did get an advantage, uh, but the twins did a twin fake-out, which, you you know, you have to expect because they're, they're the new twins in town, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to do some old twin switcheroo and this, that, and the other. So in this case, one of them got put down. I don't know which. I don't. I can't tell them apart. And so the other twin comes in, and she lays down right next to her sister as if she's knocked out as well. They're doing this, of course, while the ref's back's turned, while Razor and Fury's back turn, and or they argue with the ref. And then it, Fury turns around. Excuse me, not Fury, Razor. She turns around and she sees both twins down on the mat. And she's like, what's going on? What are they doing? Which one's which? I, you know, and now she's talking back to a partner. She's like, I don't know. So the, the, the deal here is that they both laid down, or I shouldn't say both. One of them laid down next to the other so that you wouldn't have known which one was the legal twin, whether it was Chaos or Kona. Uh, you would have had to take your pick. And the ref didn't know either, so he, he couldn't say anything about it. So what happens is Razor just decides to run over there and lay down on both, which I, I guess in the spur of moment that sounds like a good idea. Didn't, didn't seem smart. but So she lays down on both. They, they kick out. The fake out works. They eliminate her partner. And then you got the Samoans 
who get a Samoan drop neckbreaker combination to pin Razor. Still not sure whether the twins are baby faces or heels. In this case, I would say they're probably the de facto baby faces, and they win, and they should be going into the finals if there are finals. Because who fuck? I was about to cuss. <laughs> who knows? So <laughs> who knows? Because there's no again, there's no uh, bracketing that exists here for anybody to look at. So anyhow. Uh, they have that. They go for it. This should be it for them. This this is the third match. If they go to a fourth one, that should be it. That should be the tag team titles. And who knows where they're going. Uh, gosh. They, they have to be facing off against Miami Sweet Heat, if I'm guessing. Gambino and Gianni are probably just there just to take a fall in what will probably be a three-way to determine who goes into the the last match, and I don't know what that's about, but they did this before. Didn't make sense to me then. Didn't make a lot of sense to me now, but that's just the way it goes. So this is what I'm guessing. I'm guessing Gambino Gianni will meet my, the Sweet Heat and Target Twins at some point. They'll get bumped, and then they'll come down to the Heat and the Twins, and the Heat will probably win the belts. Who knows? All right. Uh, segment three. We got BK Rhythm, Killer Kate for those of you that's on the independent circuit, and Candy Crush in a backstage video package confrontation. BK comes up and she does the old John Cena, Dr. Thugonomics bit where he used to just kind of run down his opponent through a rap. BK does that. She comes up, she sees Candy Crush with her back turned, she lays into her with, you know, a rap. Now, I'm not going to say and tell you that I remember the rap word for word, so I don't know how deep or soul-crushing it was. The one thing that I came across from this was Candy Crush's response, which was the single most unrealistic thing I have seen anybody say a worst uh, dialogue written read that I you know I've ever seen on wrestling period if not just TV in general Candy Crush if this is how she delivers her lines should be limited to what she says on anybody's microphone the whole let's go I mean that just was so over the top and unrealistic I was like nobody talks this way that, that was the note that I put down when I was when I was watching this. Nobody talks this way. She could have just delivered that a thousand different ways, and, and that was the way they came up with. Whoever produced that segment should have been drug out in the street and shot. Or tied to a chair in front of a TV and made to look at it on a loop. That's what they should have did. This was not good. And and I'm sorry to say it wasn't BK Rhythm's fault. I don't want to blame Candy Crush, but she delivered it. But whoever said that this was good and we should just go with it, <laughs> you should seriously reevaluate this because that was not good and it doesn't do Candy Crush any favors of helping her connect to anybody. It, it just, uh, just, yeah, poor, 
poor segment. Segment four actually has the match. Rhythm versus Candy Crush. I've already said what I thought about Candy Crush before. I think she's a lawsuit waiting to happen. And I fully expect that her name will be changed by next year. So getting past this, uh, Rhythm seemed to get uh, cut uh, somewhere in the in the opening portions of the match. It looked like she, she didn't necessarily have a nosebleed, but it looked like she was cut near her nose. Uh, but that didn't stop the match. They they did continue on, and uh, like I said, I think Rhythm probably held this match together because she, of the two, actually has working experience. She, she worked around on the independence again as Killer Kate. So I was expecting whatever good to come out of this match to be largely because of her. Although I got what I expected because they've already made it clear through her actions, that Candy Crush is somebody that they're pretty much backing up. And back her up, they did. Crush wins with a superwoman punch, runs across nails, uh, beat her rhythm in the head. One, two, three. Rhythm is beaten again. So, I pretty much know where she's going. Uh, segment five, we've got another... Well, was this a tag team? I don't think this was a tag team tournament match. It was a tag match, but not a tournament match. It was Chainsaw and Holiday with Siren in the corner versus Steffi Slays and Vivian Rivera. The note that I put here is where is Keita Rush? Why no Bully Busters? The Bully Busters were there a week ago when they had the the six-person tag. And Riviera was there with, uh, you know, both of both of the Bully Busters, Slays, and and uh, the the key to Rush, which clearly opened up for, you know, I guess this to happen another offshoot of the the Bully Busters, I I suppose. But again, the thing that gets me with them is that sometimes they just do not explain it. It's not, you know, it's not like Rush was hurt. Or that she was off somewhere or something like that. I mean, it, every once in a while, I mean, is it a big deal? Maybe not. Things like that happen. But they could at least meant, made a little mention about that. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's she's with Riviera's uh, Rush is off doing her thing with the Bully Buster Academy or whatever it is that she has. She, she actually does own something that's under the Bully Buster name. So I think it would have been nice to have done that rather than just, hey, Riviera's in here with Steffi Slade, somebody who's supposedly a part of a tag team, which doesn't really tag team all that much. So Slade takes the usual beating. That was that was the note in my, you know, that I wrote down as I was watching this because I fully expected it, and that's what happened. She took the normal beating, just one after the other until she's actually able to, you know, get somebody off guard. Now I will say this. I fully believe that if they're going to go with chainsaw, then they need to keep her a monster and they need to keep her pretty much relatively untouchable. Uh, they seemed as if that was basically happening and I was good with that. Uh, even even at the point where they had Slays kind of make a comeback, she she makes the tag off to Riviera. Riviera comes in and does something 
turns around and tags Slays back in. Slays catches Chainsaw with the high cross body for the pin after they uh, uh, holiday charges across the ring and the top rope is pulled down. So she charges out over the top rope. Now, that is when let me roll this back around. Slays catches Chainsaw off the second with a high cross body. And she gets her in a pinning position, which was great. And then, for whatever reason, for you know, because the camera is not seeing if somebody pushed her into it or she just tripped or whatever the case may be, Riviera knocks Slays off by, quote, accident. Now, if this goes somewhere, then that's great. I hope that it does. I, I I have a feeling that they may just ignore it. Like, whatever happened there, just move on. But this feels like it should be the opening of a feud or a misunderstanding or something between Slays and Riviera. Um, like I said, Riviera knocked Slays off when she had a pinning position on Chainsaw and might have been the first person to to get the pin, but that didn't happen. Holiday, that gave Holiday enough time to recover and get back in. She comes in and cleans house, knocks, you know, beating both of them up, uh, and clearing out the ring to where they could take care of the legal person, that being Steffi Slays. Holiday nails her with a DDT, and she is pinned, she being Slays, following the 747 splash by Chainsaw. So the DDT and the splash finish her off. One, two, three. The monsters, I think they refer to them as the monsters of darkness. The monsters of darkness continue on. They're not in the tournament, but they got a they got a win. They got a win back. So good for them. They're not being shuffled off into the corner just yet. Uh, one thing I can say that I, I have noticed while watching this is that I, I keep catching that my eye on the hype man in the crowd. Earlier in these podcasts, I somebody out there probably remembers me saying it, but I I said something to the effect of that women of wrestling chant that goes on there. It does not sound organic. It sounds like somebody just sat out there and told them what to say. Well, now I'm completely convinced of that. I'm completely convinced of somebody just stands there and does that. And lo and behold, you had somebody out there just standing there. Telling them, hey, guys, all right, clap. And, I mean, he's literally doing, making the noises that he wants them to make and stuff like that. And, and it goes back to what I said before. You got a lot of people that's there who, are, who aren't who are necessarily there because they're wrestling fans. Yeah, people that's coming in there that want to see TV be done. You know, they just want to be part of the crowd. I'm sure there's wrestling fans there. Don't get me wrong. But I don't get the impression that everybody there is just like a hardcore fan or even a casual fan at that. I think some of them just, oh, yeah, women's wrestling, and they're just going to see it just out of the curiosity of it. Not necessarily because they feel like they're getting something, you know, out of watching the wrestling because we love it so much. I think it's just a thing. <laughs> That's pretty much the only way I can put it, just like a thing for them to do. Like, oh, hey, it's free. Let's go on in here. So, Anyway, that's just a, a little side thing. That I have to address those as I as I get them, or as I think of it. And and I guess 
speaking of that, before I go off into another thing, because the, the episodes are <laughs> while although entertaining, I, I'm not really seeing anything of, of major note here where I'm like, oh man, you have to go and see this match, or you gotta check this out. None of that's really taken place yet. I'm still somewhat waiting on that. I'm waiting on uh, that magic moment, <laughs> and it, and it doesn't feel like it's is coming at all. It's just okay. Now what? You know what I mean. So, uh, perhaps it will it will change with them at, when it goes on and. And they want to make some other adjustments to the to the matches or the, or the confrontations and stuff like that. But th- there's it's it's pretty. I'm I'm trying to find the right word. I don't want to say bland, but there there's not much that's engaging here. I mean, I know some people out there feel differently. They're like, "Oh man, wow, it's the greatest thing on TV." I I, I haven't felt that yet there's good matches and there's good people and there's, there's good personalities and you know and the episodes even at that might be be good but i, I just have not gotten this feeling of man I, I can't wait until the next week i have to see this uh that hasn't popped up on me uh, and some of that is just because of the way it's structured some of that is uh Again, the matches are short. Nobody really has any promo time. If any, as a matter of fact, I've only seen like maybe two people who do promos, and that's Jesse Jones and, oddly enough, Lana Starr. She, she comes out there, she grabs the microphone, and she cuts a promo. You know, for, for what it's worth, I know they have a lot of backstage sketches and vignettes and video packages, but you know, every once in a while, a, a simple interview segment with a microphone can work wonders it doesn't always have to be overproduced it can work wonders just when people get the chance to connect with the persons that are in the ring and know who they are and i don't mean you gotta give me your life story it doesn't have to be how you overcame some sort of adversity all the time which is what everybody's uh, video packages basically illustrates sometimes just you know it's a simple hey we want to talk to you come over here and you know that works because it gets the point across of what they're trying to relate right then and right now and i have yet to have seen that with most anybody out of wow it just it feels like a lot of interchangeable faces. I mean, with the, with the exception of maybe three or four, and who, Lord knows that they had this massive roster for this one-hour show, which they don't need, because I can almost guarantee that the, there's going to be some people that you're going to see one time, but then they'll disappear for weeks on end because they have so many of them. I mean, they got people who have signed over the wild that talk about they're on the show right now that haven't yet to have made an appearance there's people on that roster who are listed as active competitors a while who again yet to make an appearance we're two months into it and we're not talking about new faces we're talking about people who should be returning they hadn't even showed up in a backstage skit or 
did a promo saying, hey, we're still here. We're coming for the title. Nothing. Nothing like that. Speaking of that, Exile, tag team. Why weren't they in the tag team tournament? Instead of them recycling the heavy metal sisters or putting Chantilla Cella in there twice. Like, shouldn't they have been in it or, or something? It's not many things that I would say that I could do uh, as good, if not think do a better job of in a while, you know, because I don't feel like it's an easy thing to do. Uh, regardless of what I may say or the critiques I have, television, to write it is not an easy thing to do week in and week out. That said, I do feel like I could have bracketed that tournament a lot better than what they got. I feel that way. I feel like I could have bracketed and at least gotten to the point where it makes sense. Where I wouldn't have to tell you or try to ignore things you know, because I, I can't explain it. The tag team tournament as they have it right now, you, know, like you pretty much have to ignore certain things. Just as like, I just let the tournament do what it's doing. But there's, there's no reason behind it. There's no reason for you to have to ignore or skip around things. It, it, it doesn't take a lot to explain, okay, we have a second round. We got a loser's bracket. Or, you know, one of these teams that lost in the first round will get the opportunity to pop back in on the, you know, on the second or whatever. It's something. It doesn't take all that much. And if you don't have enough teams to cover the tournament, then don't do the tournament with that many open slots. It doesn't have to go 13 weeks worth of TV because you're trying to fill out a season. You know, you, you do what you're supposed to do. You fill out with what you have, and then you 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 create episodes accordingly around that. If we're trying to get to episode, I don't know, let's say 21 for the big blow-off or something like that, then you don't have to have a tournament every week leading into that. There could be a week or two that is skipped. There could be a week or two where it's just them showing up for – a promo or to watch the other team compete or something. You know, there's a thousand wrestling tropes that they could have used, but instead they just, you know, they do these things that do not make any sense and they don't bother to explain it. Listen, and I want to make it clear, the lack of explanation for a wrestling angle is not a wow issue. This happens all the time just in wrestling. I mean, I, I worked for two different promoters who at times would just do things and didn't explain any of it. The problem there was is that because I was producing the video and I was basically responsible for the commentary is that I had to explain it even if they didn't. Which is why I'm such a stickler for having to explain things now. <laughs> because it drives me crazy. Like, just just explain it. You don't have to try to get around. Just explain it. It's not that difficult. And I, you know, and I'll give you an example. You know, since I, I brought that up. Uh, and I'll use this example because that company is closed. Uh, but it was a promotion, UIW. Matter of fact, Jesse Jones wrestled there a couple of times. 
Uh, former WOW star Kira Hogan wrestled there a couple times. And in fact, this particular match was uh, featured her. Uh, for those who are looking for it, it's episode 38 of the uh, WPN's uh, showcase. If you go back on that, just go look up WPN episode 38. Tiffany Rocks versus Kira Hogan is the match, which I thought in and of itself is a, is a pretty good match. It was a very clean match. And, and given the fact that both of these ladies walked into it with with no sort of program, no angle, nothing, you know, it was just cold. It was about as cold a match as you were going to get. The reason this didn't make any sense is because it was supposed to be part of some sort of tag team tournament that was taking place at the time. And for whatever reasons, the promoter decided that, you know what, I'm going to take this tournament and I'm going to do it all year. That was his initial plan. He was going to take the, He was going to reintroduce the women's championship and he was going to have the tournament take place over the course of the entire year. So once a month, every month, it was going to be another match, another, you know, another person, blah, blah, blah. And I expressed my concerns about that because the same reasons that I do not care for while taking those hiatuses, it leaves too much room for error. Like if you if you try to do this all year round, unless you got a lot of money to throw at them to keep them in, in place, it leaves too much room for error. There's going to be that moment where somebody's going to get busy and I'm not going to be able to come back four months from now because you, you know, booked me in January and now you want me to come back in May or whatever the case would be, April. You know, it, it just left a lot of stuff to be a problem, but he didn't particularly care for that. In the first two months that he had, he had problems. The first person that was supposed to be there, Tiffany Rocks, couldn't show because she was snowed in. So what they had to do, they had to give Kiara a... a, a Substitute opponent. Her substitute opponent was, uh, oh gosh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank now. I, I can't. Ashton was it? Ashton Star. She she got the, she wrestled against Ashton Star in the first round of a women's championship. Though, so don't get on me for that. He was the one that was available, and, he, and at the time he was doing the intergender icon gimmick, so it kind of worked. And I had to explain that. That was the whole thing. Like, people that I was watching, like, why is he going after the women's championship? I had to explain it. Because they didn't do it. <laughs> the, the promotion didn't do it. They just stuck him in there. So I'm like, okay, yeah, he, he's been doing the Energy Icon thing. He's been, you know, challenging women for various promotions, trying to make some kind of sense out of it. And that's what happened. Kira Hogan wins. She goes to the second round. But then the next month, Tiffany Rocks comes back. And then they further complicate things because now they wanted to get the original match that they had booked last month back into the ring. Despite the fact that Kira Hogan had already advanced to the second round, they wanted to put her back into to the first round with Tiffany Rock so that they can have that match and then you can see who goes where. But they also said, well, Tiffany, whether Tiffany wins or loses, Kira's already in the second round. I was like, then what, why are you putting her in the first round then? Oh, because we want the match. Things like that. It's just a garbled mess, and everybody, all participants, were doing what they could to make some sense out of what the promoter wanted. So Kiara and Tiffany went out there and had a match that didn't have any sort of heat to it. It was just a cold match. didn't have any consequences because regardless of whether Kiara won or lost, she was already in. Tiffany wasn't going to lose. We already knew that. 
And, and here I am trying to explain it the best way I can to whoever's listening. It was, again, the match in and of itself of what they had to deal with was a good match, worth watching, but it, 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 it didn't have any sort of fire to it. There was, there was no prize at the end of the rainbow, nothing like that. It was just conf- confusing mess, which is what WoW does, to bring this back around, is present a confusing mess when they don't explain things. It's just, all right, here it is. And I have said over and over, and I will stand on this hill, that if Jeannie Buss, because I saw her on the, what was the Rich Eisen show, and and some other interviews where she's essentially said publicly that she wants to make uh, WoW a touring entity. Like, I want to be able to take this to another location and, you know, wrestle in front of different fans and this, that, and the other, and, and all that is great. But if she's going to do that, there are certain things that WoW needs to change. One, yes, they need to make sense. Two, they need to start getting some of those girls ready to be capable of dealing with the live audience because the one that they have out there in California is very sanitized. And I doubt that they're going to walk into a controlled environment if they ever leave the Belasco Theater. You're not going to get a controlled environment everywhere you go. Somewhere down the line, you're going to get some rowdy wrestling fans. And if they aren't getting prepared to deal with those rowdy wrestling fans, it's going to be a problem. So that's that. Um, There's some changes that should be made with that, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll address some of those as I go along. I left off on segment five. So going into segment six, we have another video package with Leah McCona. This is what the third time that we've seen her talking in a video package format. Showing the reasons why she's joining Wild, that she wanted to have a parent see her Russells. You know, it's not a lot of build to that. And I know that somebody probably felt like, well, it's, ha- it's been on TV three times now. We've seen Leah McCona do this, blah, blah, blah. It probably would have worked out better if they did the one video package at least and then just just have her talk. If she's not capable of being there in front of a microphone and talking, then there's a problem. She needed to be able to talk. See, if, if you can't relate your story in front of that crowd to where they can understand what the point is of what you're doing, then you're going to have a problem going forward. Because that's part of the gig. You have to be able to be there in front of that crowd, in front of that microphone, and say what it is that you have to say. And that never happened. It's, it's been all video package. It's been all, you know, it, let's, let's have her at the beach or whatever, and we'll record her, do this, and have her sit, do a sit down, and we'll talk about, ultimately, basically, it comes down to, well, I never got, my parents never saw me wrestle. My parents never saw me wrestle. So they start off with that, and and the commentators, when they go to the next segment, I should say, going into segment seven, the commentators talk about, oh, yeah, you know, I should say commentators, David McLean in particular, talk about their family, her family being there to watch the match because he flew him in. And I say, all right. So I'm now assuming that Makona was incapable of seeing her mother and father sitting there and 
front row of camera shot of her having a match. Or maybe she wasn't paying attention. I'll just, you know, I'll chalk that up to uh, lack of attention as she was participating or, or tunnel vision or focus or whatever you want to call it. So the main event here is Tormenta with Sofia Lopez versus Leah Makona. Lopez does the interest for Tormenta and explain how she's back, which I thought that was great. They didn't skip over it. She actually explained, despite the fact that she was suspended, she's back, and this is how I got back. I mean, she could have just got up there and said, I'm back because I'm the greatest attorney in the world. That's all I need to say, and I'd have been perfectly happy with that. As long as they did something to explain it, and they did. Uh, the funny thing here is that she plays to the crowd, and so I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to get out of that. Like, is she trying to be genuinely disingenuous or, you know, just like I'm, I'm playing the part of, of liking the crowd when I really don't? I, I, I wish if she was doing the disingenuous thing that she would do a little more wink and a nod at the crowd or something along those lines to let you know where you stand with that. One of the best disingenuous moments I've ever saw in wrestling, which I thought was funny then, I think it's funny now, is when Luger and Sting, I think this was back in 96, they were tag teaming in with the tag team champions. Luger was on the fence as a heel. Sting was, of course, the perennial babyface. This is before he went to being Crow Sting, for those who are paying attention. Uh, but when they came to the ring on one of those episodes, Sting was in front, Luger was in back, and Luger, of course, is trying to, you know, make nice with Sting. Like, hey, man, you know, I'm your partner. And, because they were friends, and that was well noted that they were friends, both real life and on TV. But they were separated by being heel and babyface, even though they were tag team champions. Sting comes out, and he's doing what Sting does. He's, you know, they're playing his music. He's shaking hands and all this. And Luger's coming out behind him. He's got the TV belt, the tag belt with him, and he... And he could care less about the fans up until Sting turns around to look at him. Then all of a sudden he he puts on the biggest, fakest smile that he can. He's reaching over there. He's shaking the fans' hands. He's slapping hands with him. He's like, all right, giving him thumbs up and this, that, and the other. And the second Sting turns around, he couldn't wait to be done with those fans. Just walked away from him. That was, it was a great moment of being, you know, genuinely disingenuous. Like he didn't even, you know, like, I'm, I'll be genuine right now while you're looking at me, but, you know, I, I really don't care. And and I'm wondering if that what they're trying to aim for with Lopez, like, hey, I'm just I'm just trying to play up these suckers to, to root for Tormenta because she keeps treating Tormenta like a baby face, despite the fact that we know that Lopez and Tormenta are heels. So I, it, it's... It's interesting where they're going with that. I hope that they explain it or they do something to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. It would be nice if they can get to that point. Um, uh, I already said McKenna enters and they talk about her family being there. Again, that was that was all McLean. So I'm not even sure why I wrote down commentators. In fact, I'm not entirely sure why they have commentators at all. You pretty much talk over them. I, that that three person booth is a waste of time. I it it just is. That I, I didn't mean that to jump on that, but now that I'm thinking about it. It's just that's just a waste of time. 
He does most of that commentating there. He might as well just tell them to go home. I'll call the match myself. Or have somebody just sit there just to speak up every once in a while. Because aside from that, it's pretty much Dave McClain. You probably would not even know that A.J. Mendez, formerly A.J. Lee, was sitting there in that commentating booth if they didn't come by with a camera every once in a while. And even then, that might be a little, you might be like, is that her? I can't tell, you know, they've never taken the time to illustrate her at all. They haven't had her in the the ring. They haven't introduced her properly. They haven't had a sit down, nothing. It's just her name's in the credits, that's it. I cannot believe they're almost two months into this and have not even bothered to say, hey, you know what, guys, next week we're going to have an exclusive sit-down interview with A.J. Mendez on her wrestling life and career. That's the biggest draw that they got. It's the biggest draw that they have, and they haven't played that card at all. Sorry. I'm choking myself up talking about this stuff. This nonsense. So <clears throat> we have this. And again, now I want to be clear about Makona. I like her. And I think that she has a fantastic look. I think she has star written on her. I don't know how much of her story I believe. Um the whole story being is that she has been listed as I want to be a wrestler. My parents didn't want me to do it. They weren't necessarily into it. Uh, and they never, you know, they never came to watch and they never supported me or, you know, all, all that stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, all that's cool and everything. But again, I, I don't know how much of that I buy. I <laughs> Leah McCona, I will repeat, has a good look. Great physique. Nice looking young lady. Has a star look about her, just, you know, her attire and all that stuff. Uh, But if her desire to be a wrestler is so strong that it only took place in WOW, that makes it a little hard for me to kind of swallow. That is... That is the real thing. It's like it, it. This is hard for me to get behind when Wow is it was the only place that you went. Like if you were that strung out on being a wrestler, you know why? And and this is me. I know everybody's not gonna look at it this way. Why didn't you go to the to some other promotion around Southern Cali or you know? Northern California or, or venture across the country or hit some of these independents. You know, and why haven't you done that? Why was why was it imperative that you wait on WOW in order to try to fulfill your dream or your destiny or whatever the case may be? <clears throat> if it was that, you know, if the desire to be a wrestler was that strong, should it live and die with WOW? Because my question following that would be, Okay, what happens if Wild closes his doors tomorrow? What if, what happens if they go on another hiatus? Are you, is the dream over with? Or are you then going to try to go and 
Russell someplace else. You know, I mean, we may never know that. I'm not. I'm not rooting for uh, a while to be shut down. But if it does, what are you going to do? Is is it going to be okay? Well, I guess it's over with. The dream's done. I, I'm going home now. So it, so it makes it a little hard for me to just kind of buy into that. I mean, it would it would have been an easier thing <clears throat> if they had taken one of those girls that they just signed. Uh, I can't remember all the names right now, but there was a bunch of them that was uh, along with Killer Kate that came out of Texas. It would have been more believable for me to look at one of them and they had that same story like, hey, you know, I've been wanting to be a wrestler all my life. I did this. I trained with Booker T. And, you know, now I'm getting the opportunity to come out here. Wow, that story would have made sense. And it would have had more gravitas to it rather than just repeating, uh, my parents didn't want me to. I'm sure a lot of parents didn't want them to. And that's just the world, (laughs) especially when your parents don't think that you're going to make any money in it. And, you know, newsflash, wrestling is hard. Wrestling is hard to make a living at. I know some people are like, oh, man, there's so many places that you can go now. They can, yeah, there's a lot of places that you can go, but there ain't many places that you can go to make a living. There is a difference. There are probably hundreds of wrestling promotions across the country, but very few where you can make a living. I mean, you got WWE, of course, at the top of the ladder, AEW, <coughs> Impact, possibly the NWA, possibly in MLW. I mean, those are uh, suspect. We can't say Ring of Honor anymore because they're pretty, pretty much out of business unless, you know, you count them being a subsidiary of AEW. But that's pretty much it. I mean, you got like five places in this country. And, you know, maybe you go to AAA or you can go to New, New Japan. but And that's two, that adds you two other places outside of the United States. But that's it. There's not a lot of places to go. But uh, it, it would say something for her or anybody else to be like, hey, you know, this has been my dream. This is all I wanted to do. And, I, you know, I wrestled for 25 bucks. I did, you know, that... The CM Punk story, and I know he's controversial because, you know, some people love him, some people hate him, but I'm just using him as an example because he's one of the last real journeyman wrestlers that I can think of. The CM Punk story, when he got came into wrestling in, uh, what, uh, the early 2000s, that was basically his story. I wanted to be a wrestler. He, did, he made a decision that he was going to be a wrestler, and, and he went and wrestled everywhere he could. And he didn't make any money, <laughs> you know. See, twenty bucks here, fifty bucks there. I mean, you could you could probably talk to any number of independent wrestlers out there who are doing that right now. Like, hey, you know, I just wanted to wrestle, and I need to get my name out there to as many places as possible. Kira Hogan, she's another one. She she went and hit the road, and she wrestled anywhere that they would allow her to wrestle. Uh, up until she had built a name for herself. That's that's the kind of stuff that I would be a little bit more inclined to buy into Makona's uh, backstory if those things had happened, if we had seen that or if, or if they had footage of it. As it is, as far as I know, Leah Makona is a product of WoW, and that is the only wrestling she knows and the only wrestling that she's participated in. 
So it's hard for me to turn around and be like, oh, yeah, I feel for her that she, you know, she wanted to be a wrestler all this time and she just couldn't do it. No, she could have did it. <laughs> she she could have did it just like a lot of other people out there could have did it. She just didn't. So <clears throat> anyway, um, one of the other things I have to make note of here is that I'm glad to see Sofia Lopez getting more active in the matches. The more she does that, the more I love her. Because I, I thought that the managers and while all of them were lacking, that most of them just stood there. They didn't. They didn't participate. They didn't intervene. They didn't yell at the referee, grab legs, hit them, choke them, nothing, take a bump. They didn't do any of those things. But in the last what two seat? Well, we'll we'll use seasons since they go by seasons. In the last two seasons, they actually had bumped it up and they started doing other things that showed them to be engaging managers. And I love it. So, yeah, I'm glad to see Lopez taking more of a role as a manager and, you know, being able to participate. I'm, I, I still, I'm still staying tuned to see whether she does. You know, if she is a uh, being disingenuous with the fans or not. But that'll that'll come in time, I hope. Uh, but during this, Tormenta and Makona have a basically a catch-as-catch-can match. I think Tormenta kind of slowed things down so that she could uh, keep the pace or that she could keep a pace that Makona could handle. <clears throat> but ultimately, as we know, Makona wins with an STO. I, I forget they call it a coconut crusher or some, something like that. But she puts... the. Tormenta down, one, two, three, gets the win. No big surprise there. Uh, this was nice, and, you know, they, they talked about her mom and dad being there, like I said, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't as big a moment as it should have been. It was decent, but it wasn't as big a moment as it should have been. Uh, David McClain enters the ring after the match is over with for an interview of sorts with Makona and introduces her parents. Again, this should have been a bit much bigger an emotional moment. It it just wasn't that there was almost little to no build to this. It, it was just out of the blue. And yes, she talked about her parents never saw her wrestle and she really wanted to see her wrestle, but it's not like we had a couple of weeks of her trying to call or somebody making arrangements for or you know I was you know I was just trying to communicate with my dad I haven't talked to him in three months and she and he hasn't you know he hasn't responded to me I just you know I wanted to I hope that he's watching me on TV you know nothing we, we didn't get that we just got the the they forbid me and they didn't think I could do it and you know and, and that was in the video package that that was it this is an angle that should have taken place in front of fans. It should have been, and, and I know it's a taped environment and it's hard to do because, you know, they, they pretty much would have to do that over the course of the weekend or all in one day or something like that. But however you had to work it out, however they would have had to go through it and work it out, they should have had her on multiple occasions in front of a microphone with somebody, do the promo, and then at some point, it ain't got to be the whole promo, but at some point, you work it in. You know, yeah, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad I'm climbing up the ladder. Thank you, Dave McClain and Wow, for giving me the chance to do this. I just really, really wish my parents were here. 
It is the one thing that I have, you know, gotten to this business for. I'm, I'm glad that, glad that I did such and such. I'm glad that I, you know, I've, I've won these people over and, and that I'm getting the opportunity to live my dream and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But <clears throat> to have my mom and my dad here would, would mean the absolute world to me. You know, maybe one day I can have them. And then you just kind of, you know, move on from there and you do it again, you know, you do it again to the point that you, she has a big match that's built up that they have to be there for. She's going after the wild championship for the first time in her career. I got to, you know, her parents have to be there for this. And David McClain goes out of his way. I'm going to send them plane tickets. This is a big moment. We got a big match. It's coming up in, you know, next week. And, you know, I'm going to send these playing tickets out to them. I'm going to give them the open invitation for them to be here front row and watch you. Now, whether they accept it or not is a different issue, but the offer is going to be made. You know, something. Not just show up at a random match. Because that's all this was. This was just a random match. It, it didn't have anything to it. was another cold match. And no kind of feud, no kind of robbery, no kind of blow off. That that the parents being there should have been there at the end of something significant for her. Makota wins. Let's just say that her and Tormenta had a, a long-standing rivalry, and this this was it. I'm gonna do this, and then once I get past this, I go to the top, something. I don't know. <clears throat> but it was just it was just a match. It was just a match. And it should have had something more than that. And it didn't. It just, it was it was cold. It was flat. Entertaining as it was, it just did not have uh, the oomph behind it that it should have had because there was no emotional connection to her winning this match at all. It was just, okay, maybe she'll win, maybe she loses. There was nothing there. And that's why I say if, if they had done it differently, this, first off, this shouldn't even take take place this quick. If they'd have done it differently, we'd have seen Makona climbing the ladder of wow. We'd have seen Makona taking on one person after the next, after the next, after the next. Every once in a while we get a we get an interview with her in the microphone and you know, you talk about her goals in the business and this, this, that, and the other. And again, you slip in to talk about the parents. To the point that, you know, yeah, you, you have McLean make a, uh, a decision on his own without consulting McCona as a surprise. Hey, here they are. You know, then then we could get that emotional moment. Then we could see <clears throat> who what she was fighting for, whatever the case may be, or had to have her parents out there and actually, you know, yelling and screaming in support, something, and, you know, have them speak. Baby, I love you. We never thought it, but I'm glad that you're here. In, in, in something, not just her go out into the audience. I give them a hug and then we move on, and we close the show. <clears throat> it 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 just did not work for me. They should have made time and given her folks the opportunity to speak and say that they were proud of her or something, rather than just going off of the air. It's the little things like that that kind of push me off. I mean, they, they don't turn me away from WoW, at least not yet, but it's the little things like that that make me feel like, why are they doing this? They could have done so much more. 
but yet they do not. WoW is an interesting entity in how they present and how they push their their wrestlers and the storylines that they take and stuff like that. And and there are a lot of cases where I think that they really overthink the situation. There's almost no angle in WoW that I would say has any measurable, any good level of heat attached to it. Almost none. The one that they do have that I think is entertaining is Jesse Jones. And they don't we don't see nearly enough of her to to justify that. She should probably be on that show once a week. You know, may, maybe you get her off of there like, if she if she does once a week for three weeks straight, maybe you get her off in week three or something like that. But <clears throat> she's the best thing that they have as far as the angle is concerned, and it's not being addressed. It's like it just comes and it goes. You know, I, I there are times when I'm like <clears throat> I want to see what she has to say. I want to hear her. I want to see what she's going to do. How she is she going to get back into the tournament? I want to know what's going on with her, but they don't give a lot of it. They just go off to these random things and things that don't have any sort of heat behind it or any sort of story or angle, and they just push these matches that don't fulfill any sort of need. BK Rhythm and, and Candy Crush was a match that could have waited. They could have taken that out and they could have put something that they could have put in an interview segment with Jesse Jones for all I care. I would rather hear her talk and explain what was going on. Have her do a sit down exclusive interview with somebody and have her go off on what that company did to her. Have her show the footage of here I am. We won the titles, me and the the darlings. And I'm pretty sure they don't want to show them now, but you know, whatever. It's part of their footage and their history. Show them winning the tag team titles. Show them beating Kira Hogan and, and uh, Adrenaline. Show them with the belts and the fact that she got it. And she's like, I never even had a chance to walk into this place as a tag team champion. That's not my fault. It's not my fault that this company made a bad deal with a TV station and they got put off the air. That is not my fault. I should have been awarded the title. Matter of fact, they, gave it to, they started a tag team tournament and didn't even tell me. Having her sit up there and do the whole, you know, uh, uh, interview about her gripes and grievances with that probably will be gold. But we'll never get that because Wild doesn't like to do it. <clears throat> and that's a shame. Like I said, they tend to overdo and overproduce. The single best wrestling angle that is going on right now in all of wrestling, in my opinion, as I'm recording this, is Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. That is the best angle in wrestling going on right now. And it didn't require them to do anything out of the ordinary. They didn't have to shoot any sort of backstage vignette. They didn't have to make some sort of video package about it. They didn't have to have them sitting down in front of chairs talking to the camera and running B-roll of them, practicing, jumping off the top. None of those things. It all took place and it all grew because everybody in that ring can grab a microphone and they can talk. Roman Reigns can talk. 
The Usos, especially when they got something to talk about, can talk. Sami Zayn has proven that he is incredibly good at at this uh, this role that he's taken on, and people love him. They love him. They are so invested in this story that you know the moment that the bloodline turns on this dude, they are going to root for Sammy to get that title shot, and they are going to root for him to win. They are going to put their heart and soul behind rooting for Sami Zayn to win the title. It is a matter of time. And they did this all through the benefit of them being able to talk. No smoke and mirrors, no vignettes, no backstage promo, no no, no pre-recorded acting bits, just talking. Paul Heyman, great talker. All of them. I mean, except for who's Solo Sokoa. I think he might be the only one who hadn't really spoken. But he didn't need to because he's in the ring with a bunch of people who can talk. And that's what I mean. That is the perfect example of what I mean. All of them were capable of getting people invested, getting people wanting to watch, getting people talking about them, getting people to care about that segment, getting people to cheer for Sami Zayn, who is rightly a heel at this point. Even though he's a heel that we could clearly see on the horizon of being a babyface. But they they get people are cheering for Sami Zayn because they want to see this dude succeed. And they want him to be liked. Even in the bloodline, they they want to cheer for him, but but at the same time, we know that they do not want to see him get beaten up by the bloodline, which we know is going to happen. At some point, he's going to get the beat down laid on him, and it's only going to give the bloodline that much more heat. What in wow comes close to that? What angle in wow comes? anywhere a fraction of the way close to that most of them don't get the chance to speak almost everybody that i've seen on tv week in and week out do not say a word when you go back and you look at the shows if they didn't do it backstage they don't do it <clears throat> with the exception of like i said just jesse jones lana star has done it in front of a, a crowd uh so that's all I can think of. Most of them do not say anything. It's just, let's get backstage and we'll do this, and they'll act out a scene. But outside of that, they don't do anything. It's just, all right, let's move on. It is, I'm not going to say it's simple, but it's not as complicated as they have made it made it to be. Sometimes the fans that are in the audience are ready to hear what you have to say. And I would think that some of them had better start learning how to talk that out audience. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. If this is what Jeannie Buzz wants, if she wants this to be some sort of touring entity and, and wow, is going to take the world by storm and we're going to find the next Dwayne Johnson and all that nonsense that she was talking about, if that is what she fully believes then she's going to have to do some rerouting as far as why I was concerned because those vignettes are not going to work 
when you start taking this thing on the road. When they take that show on the road, they're going to have to speak. They're going to have to be able to win that crowd over right then and right then. If you can't do it, then they probably don't need to be on the road. So with that, <laughs> I will uh, I will leave them alone. I, I have made my suggestions. I think that uh, while put on a, a competent episode this week, although the episode, uh, again, seems to lack something for me in that they have not really produced a lot of uh, emotional connection to to whatever they have going on. It just, it, they just don't. And I, I mean, again, outside of uh, Jess, Jesse Jones, she's probably the best thing that they have going. I and mean, we don't really see her a lot. So maybe, maybe next week we'll see something different. Maybe we'll see some, some new things going on. I know Jesse Jones is supposed to come back and, and tag with the disciplinarian again, even though they had it falling out of some sort. So we will see. Time will tell. With that, folks, uh, I am going to make a quick announcement to, you know, well, not announcement, but I'm going to make a quick uh, reminder that if you have not gone to check out uh, WPNWrestling.com, WPN wrestling.com that is our website keep in mind that there is a 24 hour 7 day a week stream it is absolutely free that comes on the website all the time it is the I guess precursor for what we're trying to do with you know still working on trying to get a Roku channel not as easy as I would have liked it to have been but you know I guess if it was easy everybody would have one so uh we we have that, but you can go to the site right now, and in, in the interim of having a Roku channel, you can just check out what is on the stream. Uh, sometimes it is uh, some game footage because we have that as well. Uh, sometimes it is, well, more often than not, is uh, wrestling footage because hey, man, it's a wrestling uh, it's a wrestling site. Why wouldn't I have that? I uh, have some profiles up there, which I probably need to start working on. Uh, video clips that link you right back to the YouTube page. You, you have the uh, uh, the podcast links. Well, we got a bunch of those. Every podcast that comes out gets dropped right there on our main page uh, from Podbean. So if you are looking and if you want to go back through and, and find some old episodes that you can listen to or old interviews, that you can listen to, you can scroll through that. And by old interviews, I mean I, I've I've got a bunch of them, and it, and it doesn't take a lot for you to to find these. And if you're listening to this and you're talking about wow, then you know you got some that you could listen to right now. You have uh the well the then the wild champion Jungle Girl. I interviewed her while she was still the, the title holder, so you you can get that. You have uh uh. I, I, Lost my, my second one. You have matches with uh, Kara Hogan, who was also a former WOW champion. She was one half of the tag team champions. You have matches with uh, Nina Monet, who you now know on WOW as Siren the Voodoo Doll. I have matches with Holla Dead, who is also her partner. 
I, I mean, there, there's a, a number of people, and again, you, you have uh, reviews for Victory Road, uh, reviews for the seasons of WoW that only existed on their website, which most people are not aware of at all. So, I mean, there's a a, a bunch of them. The, the Diamonds Division champion, Kylie Ray, that was, you know, back when she was part of, uh, of uh, Reality of Wrestling. Uh, speaking of reality, Rustin the Disciplinarian, <coughs> who was at the time known as uh, Ivory Robin. A bunch of interviews, videos, and amongst other things that are available for you to come and check out at your leisure. Uh, Jacqueline Hyde, one of the Wild Originals. Loka, one of the Wild Originals. I mean, just, just uh, but Lotus. Another one, another wild original. Just a bunch of people that you can get on and listen to. Even Sophia Lopez and Azucar, even though Azucar is not there any longer. Uh, just just a, a lot of talent that have come through and that have had the opportunity to gave me the opportunity to speak to them and, and talk about uh, wow and where it was going and what it was going doing at the time. And if you do not like that if you didn't find something within what i just mentioned for you to uh uh check out keep in mind that wpn wrestling is wpn yeah wrestling.com is the nexus for everything that is connected to uh our channel i mean everything as far as uh, uh media and so on and so forth you have our Instagram, our YouTube, our Twitter, our Facebook, all of that is there. You can all you gotta do is go on and click the links and it will take you there. End of story. And uh, as I'm watching this right now, it's showing uh, some footage of my game playing with the uh, Star Trek Voyager, was, which was a pretty fun game. So there we have it, folks. That is the uh, the full review and episode of Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling with me, Mr. Green, and the review of WOW Episode 7. Even though they are still cooking along, I'm, I'm waiting on that one big thing that's going to wow me <laughs> so I can turn around and be like, yes, you need to watch this episode because it kicked ass or whatever the case would be. But I, I'm still waiting on that. It hasn't happened yet. I, I remain hopeful that it will deliver the goods at some point in time. Uh, that said, I am going to wrap this up, and I hopefully will uh, get the opportunity to watch this next episode of WOW coming up this weekend so we can do it all again and we can find uh, what we like and what we didn't. So as of uh, this recording, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>